Hey folks, thanks for being a member of the Cafe Insider community. In addition to the Cafe Insider podcast, you also get bonus material from my interviews on Stay Tuned with Preet. This is exclusively for you. Hope you enjoy it. Explain this recent discovery that, that I know people are excited about. You've written about it. You're very excited about it. And I think that it's referred to as the cosmic hum. Yes. And in a way that I don't really understand. Because as you know, I abandoned the, uh, yes. the profession at age 11 when Pluto was still a planet. It's okay. You did good things with your, your work. <laughs> How, <laughs> what, what is the discovery? Why is it so inspiring and interesting? Go ahead. So it's about um, throwing uh, open new windows onto the universe, right? Um, so what, what we have discovered only recently is that Einstein was right again, and that there are what are called gravitational waves, ripples in the actual fabric of space and time that are crossing the universe all the time. So what Einstein showed is that space is not some kind of empty void, a vacuum. It's actually, it's a kind of fabric that with, when there's matter moving around in it, it ripples, it, it distorts. And so, you know, we predict, Einstein predicted like, you know, decades and decades and decades ago that you would actually be able to detect these waves of space time. And they were just, so, and again, this is why, you know, we talk about finding aliens, why it's going to take 20, 30 or 40 years. It took literally 70 years to detect them. We detected the first ones in 2017. And those were like coming from a specific two giant black holes that were orbiting each other. As they orbited each other, they were just kind of like shredding space time. And the ripples from that were, were heading out. And eventually we were able to detect them. Now, what we just found was the combined effect of all the black holes in the entire universe, creating this din, this gravitational wave din, this hum, very, very low frequency, which is why I called it Mongolian throat singing of the universe. And, you know, it was so hard to do that the technology or the, the techniques were so uh, incredible, it was so ingenious the way they did it. But now we know that, yeah, the whole universe is in some sense is in some sense vibrating, you know, literally space and time, the fabric of space and time is vibrating from all of this activity, all these black holes. Actually, it's everything. The black holes are the things that are, you can most clearly hear, quote unquote, the humming, but every movement, when you wave your hand, you're creating gravitational waves so that there's like this city din, you know, like if you're walking through a city, you hear all the jackhammers and the people yelling at each other and the car horns, it creates a din. This is a din or a hum from the entire universe, not just now, but throughout its entire history. And does that have implications for spirituality and meaning? Or is that just a coincidence? Uh, it's a metaphor. I mean, it's a way, it's, it's you know, the, all of these, they're poetry, right? I've always argued that math and physics are a kind of poetic expression, right? You know, we, we turn to poetry because it, it has this economy in a couple of lines. It will, you know, be able to open a window to your experience that, you know, you wouldn't, if you just, you know, tried to write things down, you wouldn't grab, you wouldn't get. These discoveries show us how, how filigreed the universe is, how, how delicate and beautiful and, and, and powerful its construction is. And all of these things, if we were willing to, could get us out of our damn heads, right? We're so focused on the wrong things. And if we were just willing, this is the spiritual part. If we were just willing to open our eyes from the inside of a cell to, you know, the, the span of galaxies, we'd see how wondrous this world is. And we might begin to develop a different relationship to our own lives and to each other. So I'm in a family of lawyers and perhaps some future lawyers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the youngest of my children is about to go off to college. 
is the only one who is thinking about or has thought about majoring in physics, maybe engineering, maybe with a minor in physics, to whom it comes very easily. Yeah. Physics was, and I was a very good student in high school, um, but not so much so in physics. Is his brain and is your brain different from my brain? Um, you know, I don't think so. I mean, you know, not like fundamentally. It's like, look, some- What are the characteristics of, of thinking that cause, I guess I have a broader question. I've met very, very smart people in various places who are very good at what they do, lawyers largely, but other things as well, who have literally no facility in science and math. And I suppose there are people who are brilliant in science and math who don't have great facility in language. Is, is that a failure of teaching or are we just different? I think there's, I mean, look, people have different talents, right? I play piano not very well. There's other people. There's my son. <laughs> Do you right. think that's related to physics? Um, I, I think, you know, I, I don't know where that comes from. I, I think, you know, it's again, people have different talents, but that doesn't mean that people can't understand, like understand physics, right? I mean, certainly anybody who is a good lawyer understands logical reasoning. If they had a good teacher could have learned enough of the math behind it to really get a sense of like, oh, that's cool. Right. So that is definitely a failure. No, this is very helpful. I think it was the damn teacher. I was quite good at math. I was very good at math. But uh, both chemistry and physics, like, they just lost me. It was the way it was taught, right? It's the way the kind of plotting, like, you just have to do this. Why am I doing this? Because you have to. <laughs> you know, I mean. You sound just like my physics teacher. <laughs> I'm channeling you nailed him. from beyond the you grave. totally nailed him. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, so it's really, like I said, of course, some people are going to be really good at it. And other people are going to be like, I'm sorry, I couldn't follow that. But, you know, the, to know enough to be able to understand why this is so extraordinary, anybody can get that. Just like I'm not a lawyer, but when I hear, you know, the arguments, like when I hear, you know, in your, on your podcast, it's like, oh, I see why that argument had to be constructed that way. But if I had to really follow it, contract law or something, I'd get lost. I think I follow generally and I, I like to follow science. It's one of the reasons I want to have you on and we mm -hmm. need to have you on again on a regular basis. Sure. But in the class doing the problem sets, I was just a lost puppy. Yeah. And again, that's probably the way that was set up. Like, you know, now we've tried to, in the classes, we tried to mess with things. So that actually the lectures, yeah, you know, go watch YouTube lectures and then let's take the class to just do the problem sets. Let's do the problem sets in class, in groups, and then we'll all talk about it, you know? Um, if you had found, if the class has been set up so that you had found a buddy to work with, you know, who is a little bit you know better at it than you would, that would have gotten you across. You would have had somebody to work with. It would have been like, oh yeah, see here how this work. Not the teacher, not the TA, but a friend, you know? then you probably would have gotten a lot further. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And I, it sounds very indulgent. And it's a little bit about me as a young man. <laughs> I found that in, the, in recent years, I used the podcast to work out some of my issues uh, as therapy. <laughs> there you go. But I, I, I did extraordinarily well in biology mm -hmm. and I did extraordinarily well in, in calculus, but chemistry and physics did not work for me. And as I think about it, I don't want to denigrate any teachers, but my, my biology teacher and my calculus teacher were both amazing. Two of the best teachers in the whole school. And it makes you wonder, maybe some of our STEM problem in the country is we don't have enough teachers of, of quality in science. That is absolutely true. When I, I do know, I mean, there are a lot of teachers who are, you know, are struggling every day to, you know, provide really excellent education. But um, yeah, right. You know, you just, you need to be able to, you know, make their lives worthwhile. You know, teaching is really hard and there's so many restrictions put on teachers. I think Very it's a hard. really hard job. So getting, you know, I'm guessing are, also may be true as an economic matter. I don't know if this is true or not, but if you're really, really smart and you're smart enough to teach physics well, there are probably jobs that pay you a lot more. 
And yeah. it takes a little bit of a sacrifice to do one of the most important jobs in our society, and that is to teach grade school, middle school, and high school students math and science. That is absolutely true. And that is, that's, I think, you know, a huge part of the problem. You know, you get people teaching science, they're, they're asked to teach the science courses and they don't really have a great feeling of, you know, for the science because they also were taught poorly. So then, you know, like they're not willing, they don't have, you know, cause to teach anything well, you have to really go into it, right? You got to really think about it. You got to think about it every day, you know, over breakfast. Um, so if somebody who themselves is a little bit afraid of science is forced to teach the science course, then of course what happens is they're going to skip around things they don't understand. And so the problem here is really to that, you know, right. We're just not valuing enough those roles. You know, people, I, I have friends from Europe, you know, who, who, you know, European scientists and their high school teachers were always amazing because, you know, there's still, uh, you know, Europe, I don't know what it's like now, but in previous generations to be a high school teacher was a very honored position. It was still considered to be a big deal to be a high school teacher and they got really good people. Um, so, you know, that, I think that's- Well, hard. everything in Europe is easier in math and science because they use a base 10 metric system. <laughs> that's right. You're not so confused by 12 inches? What? What are you talking about? I was in London with my family in the last couple of weeks and it's very weird that they, like, you'll hear someone on television talk about, you know, the temperature is 22 degrees Celsius with winds at 25 miles per hour. Yeah, yeah, England is it's weird like, that way. Right. Pick a, you know, I tried to weigh myself on the scale and I'm like, I didn't even understand. Like kilos I can understand, pounds I can understand. I'm like, what is this? My son's like, yeah. you're being weighed in stone. <laughs> really? Yeah. Right, you're really. still doing stone? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, how am I going to pay for that? Here, here's a fat hog for that lovely, <laughs> you know, dinner I had or whatever. It's like, why are you guys doing this? <laughs> Thank you again for becoming a Cafe Insider. Listen to the Cafe Insider podcast every Tuesday and stay tuned every Thursday. Thursday.